Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. So we're starting a brand new series today called uh, Better Than Normal. And uh, so here's the thing. It was actually a few months ago when I was on sabbatical that I did this. um, I did a devotion while I was on sabbatical. And and the title of the devotion was, was Better Than Normal. That was the title of the devotion. And it got me thinking. So anyway, based on this devotion I did, I thought that it was important that we have to, you know, kind of answer the question, what is normal, right? So what is normal? So according to this devotion, whoever wrote that devotion said this, normal means conforming to a standard, conforming to a type, or regular pattern. It's behavior, according to these specialists. It's, it's a behavior that is typical, expected, and adjusts to a standard that society has put into place. So the term normal usually refers to something That's typical. Normal is something that most people do, right? And so I would definitely say that like last March, our whole idea of normal got hijacked, wouldn't you say? And so honestly, part of what, you know, stirred this whole idea for this this series was I kept hearing people say, I just can't wait till we get back to normal. I I just want to get back to normal, right? Have you said that? If you've ever said that, raise your hand. That's right, most of us in the house. And then, and then some of us, you know what, after it didn't look like we were going to get back to normal, then some of us said, well, maybe this is our new normal. And some of us got mad. Are you still mad? You still get a little bit ticked off when you think about it. your blood pressure rises just a little bit like right now? You're already getting a little frustrated. You can feel the anxiety. I don't want this to be my new normal. Here's my question. What's so great about normal? Come on, man, you come to Springwell. <laughs> that says you're a little weird, right? It says you're a little bit different. So what's so good about normal? Here's what I've learned. Let me tell you what good is good uh, and good about normal. What the thing that's good about normal, the thing that we like to embrace about normal, is that normal is at least predictable. In fact, when I first wrote this message, I, I put predictable and easy. Even in difficult times, even in difficult times, you can embrace it. Even if you're in the throes of addiction, sometimes the thing that you'll admit is, but it's predictable. The thing of it is we know what to expect, right? And we, as weird as it sounds, we can find comfort in what's expected. But comfort Comfort doesn't always equate to health, wealth, or security, does it? So, what if, what if we pursued a life that was better than normal? Now, i got to be honest, it's kind of going to mess you up a little bit. Things are not going to be as predictable. They may not be as easy. But what if, what if I could promise you that a life that was better than normal would be a life that maybe is not predictable, but would pay bigger dividends. Hello, y'all out there. Let me just say right up front, man, this is one of the reasons I love being a Christian. This is one of the reasons that I love giving my life to Jesus, because what Jesus calls us to is a life that is better 
than normal. I didn't hear this when I was growing up in church. In fact, there was the normal church crowd. And the thing that I knew is I didn't want to be a part of that group. First off, they looked miserable. Hello, anybody? Like if you could just make it through a service, you got a pat on the back. Nobody knew what the preacher said. Nobody knew the songs that we were singing. Nobody really cared. Everybody's looking at their watch. Have mercy. Is it time? Can I get out? And you think when you get to heaven, like, you're going to get some extra rewards in your crown. Like, I get a big crown because I went to church every Sunday. I like to know that some, there's a payoff somewhere in the end. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a life that is better than normal. Here's what the world says. The world says, follow your heart. Listen to your gut. Just do what feels right. But a lot of us have figured out. And you don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to figure this out. But a lot of us have figured out that our hearts can be deceitful. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You followed your heart. That's what got you in the relationship you're in right now. Hello? You said, my heart would deceive me. Our hearts can be deceitful. Our guts can be filled mostly with gas. Let's just be honest. I don't even know if you can say that in church. You can say it at Springwell, I guess. And our feelings, here's the thing about our feelings. Our feelings can change from day to day. And that leaves us feeling a little bit schizophrenic, doesn't it? Because one day you think this is right. Follow, follow your heart. You know, follow your feelings. Do what your gut says. And yet at the end of that, the next day you feel entirely different. And so you don't know what to do, really. The world tells us to put ourselves first. But you don't have to be a follower of Jesus. You do not have to be a follower of Jesus to figure out that being selfish really isn't satisfying. It really isn't fulfilling. And you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to know that. There's this, this principle, and you know deep down inside, whether you even know Jesus or not, that really it really is better to be a giver than a taker. Jesus, in Matthew 7, I think does an incredible job of defining normal and defining better than normal. Here's what he says. Matthew 7, verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. Now, i got to be honest. When I grew up in church here in this particular passage, it was always negative. It was always a Debbie Downer kind of day. Hello, y'all with me? For those of you that grew up in church here and this, you're going, oh, wow. This is going to be a hard day. He's going to preach hard today. And I think what this passage is is a passage that's really very freeing. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, many are going through that gate. He said, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So according to Jesus, according to Jesus, when you're on the broad road, how do you know if you're on the broad road? You know you're on the broad road because you're going where everybody else is going. You know you're on the broad road when you're doing what everybody else is doing. And here's the thing, just in case you want to, in case you didn't know, you look around, everybody looks like you, right? So we all look alike, walk alike, talk alike. We're all moving in the same direction. And Jesus said, that's what normal is in the world. But I think that most of us would agree. And again, whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're even going to buy into everything I'm going to say today, the one thing is I'm pretty sure that you'll agree with is that Normal just isn't working for most of us. Normal just isn't working for most of us. For example, what is the normal schedule for most people today? Now, it was interesting because I talked to a grandmother this week. 
sweet little grandmother, and uh, she's talking about her children, and she's talking about her grandchildren. And what we were talking about, the whole pandemic and things have slow, slowed down, right? That's what it's supposed to be. Life has slowed down for everybody. We're not as fast-paced. Here's what she said. She said, the life, my schedule for my grandkids is absolutely nuts. That's what normal is. Normal is stressed. Normal is pushed as hard as you can, trying to find enough time to do everything that has to be done in the normal world. Better than normal in God's strategy for time management, get this, check this out, is rest. I like I lost y'all. Like y'all were with me, and then you could just like, Rest. Rest in God's time management strategy. He wants us to rest. In fact, I love this. The 23rd Psalm. It's, it's beautiful. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And then I check out what this, he makes me. And I've studied that because it messed with me. I wanted to know what make, you know, what does it mean that he makes me? So I looked up the Hebrew word. You know what it means? It means that he makes us. <laughs> and I think that's awesome because you know what I learned? I will not slow down on my own. And so here's what God does. Can he make me rest? He cannot, but he can, he can put me in situations that cause me to slow down. Cause me to slow down whether I want to slow down or not. That's the kind of God I serve. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. We should live life like it's a marathon, not a 40-yard dash. What's normal in the job market? What's normal in the job market? Normal is working for a paycheck. So let me ask you this question. So if today, if today you were to win the lottery, Show of hands, gut level honest, unless you're sitting beside your boss. How many of you said, if I won the lottery today, I ain't going to work tomorrow? Go ahead, rest y'all lying. You're afraid to raise your hand in church. Normal is working for a paycheck, right? Normal is doing something that you don't necessarily like, just to pay the bills normal for a lot of people. Normal for a lot of people is living a life without meaning or purpose. Let me tell you what better than normal is. Better than normal is living a life with a call on your life. See, with the job, it's about a skill set. Can you do the job? If you run a machine, can you run the machine? You may have to have a little education to educate you on how to do your job. But at the end of the day, it all depends on you and your ability to get the job done. If you don't get the job done, they will fire you. Let me tell you what it is with the call. And I love this. With a call, it's about God. It's about the power of God that can accomplish in, in this call that you have, can accomplish something that you cannot accomplish on your own. That's why I love what I do. Because I don't have to be good at it. And it didn't have to be about me. 
It doesn't have to be my ability to speak or communicate that I can mess up. I can say dumb things sometimes. I can lose my train of thought, which, hello. So what are we talking about now? Oh, okay. Are y'all with me? See, for me, better than normal is knowing that every single week I stand up here to bring a word, and I bring a word, and God can take me as fallible and as messed up as I am, and every week in this place lives are changed, and I got nothing to do with it. Sometimes I say, God, you know, I ain't got much to work with today. And then he changes lives. It's awesome. With the job, it's about working a 40, 50-hour week to pay for things you go, that are going to wear out. Does that tick you off like it does me? I got over 80,000 miles on my truck, and I'm ticked off about it. I, 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 I want it with 20,000 miles. You know what I, I've discovered? It's going to get old. Like me. It's going to wear out. With the calling. <laughs> it's about giving your life to a cause that will pay dividends in eternity. It's awesome. I don't think that Springwell will know the impact that we've had on our world until the day that we meet Jesus face to face. The people that have watched online around the world that we don't even know whose lives were changed because of what we do here on a Sunday. So you want normal or you want better than normal? If you want what normal people have, just do what normal people do. But if you want better than normal, if you want what few people have, then you'll have to do what few people do. You will have to leave the broad road. If you want what few people have, which is peace. And I think the world is hungry to look at some followers of Jesus that have peace in the midst of all this craziness that's going on in our world. But we still have peace. Our lives aren't falling apart. We're not running amok. We're not scared to death out of our minds. That we still have joy because our joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. It's dependent upon our relationship with God and that we're so secure that we have a heavenly Father that's crazy in love with us. And we can trust Him in the midst of all of this. Security. A sense of fulfillment, a sense of purpose. That you're going to have to do what few people do. You're going to have to do what Jesus said to do, and you have to get on the narrow road. The Bible actually is full of followers of Jesus who chose this narrow road kind of living. Matthew describes one in Matthew's gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. First four books of the New Testament, in case you're brand new to church. And Matthew, the gospel writer, tells us about the life of a man named John the Baptist. And I'm just going to say right up front, and, and if you've been in church for a while, you probably don't even know this. You just read the words, and you don't realize what you're reading sometimes. But I'm telling you, man, this is a guy that took this whole narrow way of living thing like he was crazy. Now, he was born to some aged Jewish parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were, by the way, awesome. They were awesome, and they had to taught him a lot about what this narrow road thing looks like. And just so you know, it wasn't about religion. Get, get that out of your head. Religion put Jesus on the cross. And people are always offended when I say this, but just study history because it was religion, the religion of that day that put Jesus on the cross. 
It wasn't the Roman government. It wasn't their fault. It was, it was a group of religious people. But he grew up in a world that wasn't religious. He grew up in a world that somehow they focused on the, his relationship with God and what this relationship with God really looked like. And it was so attractive to him. And according to Matthew 3, these are some pretty radical words. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And just so you know, most people don't go to the wilderness and the desert to church. Hello, y'all with me? So there were churches in town. There were synagogues in town. But John said, you know what? I've been called to do something radically different. So he was preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has, is, has come near. This is he who was, who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey, and people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River. I'm just saying he was radical. He was radical even for his day. And just so you know, let me tell you a little bit about his day. All the religious leaders of his day, all the religious leaders lived in fine houses. I don't know exactly what that means, but it means fine. Y'all with me? Let, me? let me tell you what. If you were a high priest, like if you were a big dog in the religious world and you'd climb the ranks, I guess. I'm not sure how that happened. But if you found yourself, you were a big priest, and I don't know the difference, but you went from living in a fine house to a palace. Preaching must have been good back in the day. But that wasn't what John chose to do. He was different. He chose to live a life of seclusion and prayer, and that's just not normal. Well, it's not normal for our day, much less normal for his day. John didn't have a Rolex or drive a Lamborghini. And some of y'all are probably a little nervous right now. You think you're going to pick on what the preacher Across town? I'm thinking. No. I'm just saying. Am I against pastors making money? No. Am I against extravagant living? I actually am. John was. And according to Matthew's gospel, his clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. I'll show you this picture. That's pretty awesome out there, isn't it? That's when Emily, Emily was in Spain for about six months, and uh, she was in a school there. And so Karen and I had the good fortune to be able to visit her. And so we took one day. We were close down to the coast, and so we, were, we had the opportunity to go on a tour and to go to Africa, to go to Morocco. And so we went right at the Rock of Gibraltar, we actually took a ferry and we crossed over. And this is, this is right on the outskirts, actually, of Morocco that we had the opportunity to ride these camels. Karen also rode one. I got a video of her, but we didn't all three ride together anyway in case something would have happened to one of us. They wanted somebody to survive. I don't know. <laughs> I just made that up. But here's the thing. When I got on that camel, I remember John the Baptist. I really did. And I remember thinking, ooh. I don't believe I won't know, especially underwear. I would hate to know I had underwear made of camel's hair. It's just rough. 
I didn't even say that in first service. Probably a good thing. I'm just saying that, you know, camel's hair doesn't sound like a good idea for clothes. And his food, his food, or locust and wild honey. I'm thinking, you've been watching too many episodes of Andrew Zimmern, you know, Bizarre Foods. I mean, what are you thinking? You could be in town with the big boys living in fine houses. Maybe if you play your cards right and you climb the corporate religious ladder, you could be living in a palace eating, I don't know, incredibly good food, wearing nice underwear. I mean, that's not normal. And just so you know, he was radical in his teaching as well. It was countercultural. John, John called a spade a spade. And you know what the weird thing is? It made him popular. <laughs> it made him popular with the regular people. It, it made him popular with the outcast. A group of people who were just convinced that normal just wasn't working for them either. And so they were, they were thankful for a breath of fresh air with somebody with no political agenda or religious agenda that would just tell them the truth. So there was this mini revival thing going on out in the desert. And even the outcasts of society, people like tax collectors, and, and these writers will always single those guys out. And Roman soldiers and even prostitutes were recorded as coming to him. Luke 3, in case you want to check me out. He wasn't normal. He didn't look like the other preachers. He didn't talk like the other preachers. He didn't dress like the other preachers. He didn't eat what the other preachers ate. And there was a group of people that were outcasts of society that said, you know what, we're buying your message because normal just isn't working for us. But truth be told, he could at times be a little too hard with his preaching. In fact, for example, Matthew 3, verse 7 when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was, baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers? John, brother, ease up just a tad. Who warns you to flee the coming wrath? He said, produce fruit. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. He doesn't need you. And your false facade. He said the axe is already at the root of the, of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I'm just saying that I don't think he ever read Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people. He was rough. His message was rough and it was harsh and it really ticked off a lot of the local authorities, which you can imagine, because they were into comfort. They were into ease. Tell the people what they want to hear. In fact, he ticked off the king, King Herod. And here's what he did. Again, it's, it's probably not the smartest thing that you want to do. He condemned King Herod publicly for marrying his brother's wife. And he did it publicly. Uh, he could have sent him a text. Okay, he couldn't have sent him a text. 
You can't send him an email. Did they have snail mail back in the day? I don't know. But, he, I mean, he could have, like, went to him privately and said, I just got, you just need to understand that this life that you're living is not right. But he went public. And Herodias, his wife and his daughter, they, they conspired, and eventually John the Baptist was beheaded. And I've thought about this a lot. I've thought, Lord, this is not just where we want to end the message. <laughs> Who wants to get on the narrow road and be beheaded by supper time? Let me tell you what Jesus said about it. The words of Jesus in Luke 7, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Wow. Jesus said that. But you know what is, is, is important to me? That's what Jesus said. It's what those people who heard Jesus say that, those outcasts of society, those tax collectors, those prostitutes, the drug addicts, look at what they said. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God way, God's way was right. And this is really important. Don't miss this last part because They've been baptized by John. So what am, what am I saying? It's not just what they heard. It's just they, they bought into the message and they were baptized. In other words, they gave their lives to Jesus. They said, we're going to leave the broad way. Because you know what? Normal just isn't working for us. And we just acknowledge that. Normal just isn't working. We're doing what everybody else is doing. We're going where everybody else is going. We're dressing like everybody else is dressing. We're eating what everybody else is eating. And you know what? We've got nothing. It, it ends up nowhere. And so here's the thing. We've chosen this very difficult way, this narrow way. But the narrow way is just better than normal. And that was, that was their testimony. It's better. So maybe you're here this morning and you would say, maybe, maybe you would have said, like in the beginning part of the message, you would have said, I'm a committed Christian. But maybe somewhere through this message, God has kind of like got up in your cornflakes a little bit. Maybe the Holy Spirit showed up and he said, actually, you just look like everybody else. You're going to hear me say this in a few weeks, that I think all of the pressure that we've been under in the last year, I think it's just squeezed out of us what's been in us for a very long time. And if I'm quite honest with you, I don't know that we're any different than the rest of the world. And maybe you're seeing that. Maybe you're feeling that. That there's no sense of security, there's no peace, there's no joy. So maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you said, you know what, I look more like I'm on that broad road. And maybe you'd be honest enough. Would you, if that's you, would you slip up your hand? That's what I love about this church because we can be gut level honest with each other. Yeah, go ahead. Get them up. Some of y'all lying. It's okay. You're safe. And just so you know, my hand's up. Why do you think I'm any different than you? I can get sucked into the world's way of doing things as well. But then he will make me lie down in green pastures. He will cause me to stop and rest and to refocus. Let me just pray for us. Father, for those of us that are followers, but we would just admit that my life looks way too normal sometimes. 
my life, my lifestyle, does it look any different than anybody else? And Lord, we've chosen to follow you. We want what's better than normal. So open our spiritual eyes so that we can see. There are others of you that are here this morning and you say, you know what, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I've never claimed to be a follower of Jesus. But if I'm just gut level honest, I would just have to admit that I'm just, I'm just eat up with normal. And normal is killing me. Maybe if you were just gut level honest, you'd have to say, you know, I just got to confess that I'm on that broad path, that broad road that leads to destruction, and I know it. And I'm tired of being normal. If that's you, here's what I want you to understand is that God's crazy about you. Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you. That's how much. On the cross, he paid the penalty for all of your sin. For every sin you've ever committed. In the past, those that you're presently committing. And guess what? This even, What Jesus did on the cross was he paid the price for the sins you'll even commit tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and as long as you're on planet earth. He loves you with the kind of love that you cannot imagine. And he's alive. Just so you know, he's just not dead. He's not in a tomb. He was raised. He's alive. If this morning, if you would say, you know what? Man, I've been on that broad path of destruction. I'm not a follower, but I want to be. Then right there, quietly, in your seat. Just pray a prayer something like this. Just say, God, I want to leave this normal, broad path. And I want to follow you. I accept what you did for me on the cross, Jesus. And I know you're alive. I can't explain everything. But by faith this morning, I'm just going to accept it. I'm asking for your forgiveness. And to the best of my ability, I'm just surrendering my life to you. From this day forward, my life is not my own. Everybody look this way. Every week we meet here and we worship every week and just so you know we do our very very best to let go of our inhibitions and we just do the best that we know how to worship God and if, if I was just honest I would say that if you've been raised in church you struggle with that a whole lot more than unchurched folks do I don't, I don't know why unchurched people get worship a whole lot easier they, they embrace it so much better Church folk, you have to unlearn some things. But that's our hope. Our hope, our goal is that we bring you into this place is that you can just be free in worship. And we do our very, we do our very best to bring you a word from God. I have no desire to preach sermons I want to give you a message. 
and the coolest thing for me is you have no idea the number of times that people have come to me and said, wow, how did you know? Like today, this, like today was just for me. I felt like that there was a spotlight on me. How did you know? And see, I'm able to say, I didn't know. But see, God loves you so much that he would give me a message, a word just for you. That the creator of the universe would love you so much to give you a special word. That is awesome. And every week, lives are changed right here. Every week. Every single week, people who have been far away from God, people who had no clue to who God is, cross that line of faith. And they give their lives away to follow Jesus. It's amazing. I get to be a part of a miracle every week. It's crazy. Every week, just so you know, followers of Jesus evaluate their walk with Jesus right here in this place. And then they make decisions that are life-altering. They choose to give up more. They, they choose to let go of things, to get off the, the broad road. And they say, normal just isn't working for me. And so they make these decisions, and you don't get there overnight. It's, it's a lifetime journey of learning how to let go and follow Jesus. And just so you know, when they talk about the narrow way, it's not just this up hill, up Mount Everest climb on the coldest day in your shorts. It's an amazing walk. And every week right here in this place, people make those decisions. And so honestly, I've, I've always felt like that at the end of the message, we leave too soon. Because the normal thing is, is that we do worship in the beginning, right? Every church in town, y'all know what they're doing, right? Every single one. We start at 11. I'm not going to get through that. but And then we do some songs, and then the pastor gets up, and then he preaches, and then we end, and give an invitation, and then we go to the house. But I've always thought, you know what would be better than normal? Would be to come to the end and, and, and to give us an opportunity. Because some of you just made decisions for the very first time. Some of you accepted Christ a few minutes ago. You said, I'm leaving the Broadway. I'm gonna, I want to follow Jesus. And it's brand new. And so now you're ready to worship. You weren't in the beginning. And some of you as followers of Jesus, you said, you know what? I didn't even realize that I, I had this broad way of living. And now I want to make a decision. And so right now, really, maybe for the first time in a very long time, you're ready to worship. So we're going to close with the song. And here's what I want you to do. You can stand if you want to. You can sit down if you want to. You can come kneel here if you want to. You can raise your hands if you want to. I don't care what you do. I would just ask that you just worship.
back to our start with you, Jesus. Thank you so much for that reminder. I think a lot of us come in and out of these doors every week. It's almost like routine. We check off the list, God, but as we've been singing this song today, I've just been reminded of, of where it all started with you. God, when I first experienced your love, God, almost like a childlike faith where I'm just so in awe of who you are and what you've done in my life that it just grounds me and it brings me back to you. God, and I'm so much better with you. Thank you. God, for this time that we can come together. God, that we can rely on each other. God, that we can lift up in one voice to you. 
May we never take that for granted. God, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.